1: Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com.
0: Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 608 now of the Ron and Don Show, live from the Les Studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, uh, would you take this deal if, if, let's say, a city government said, we're going to give you $20,000 to build a tiny home, and after three years... There's no strings attached. Yeah. I've heard about these programs before, and I often wondered, could they actually work? Uh, Speaking about new housing, we'll also talk about some new tech tycoons. Well, they're not new. I think they've been tech tycoons for a while. They're out buying up land kind of like Bill Gates did, but they're doing it for a different reason. He and Melinda bought up a lot of farmland. In fact, uh, they own more farmland. In the united states and canada than any other human and or humans i think when they got their divorce he got all the u.s farmland and i think she got all the canadian farmland anyway, anyway the tech tycoons say you know what we're gonna do uh because we're not enjoying living in places like san francisco it's so expensive it's so dirty it's so violent we're just gonna go out and build our own utopia and we're gonna build our own city and there's still lots of big places and spaces around america i mean we grew up, went to high school in New Mexico. Most of it's barren. So could we see some more cities uh, show up there? Could be hard without water. Uh, before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Children sleeping with their parents. Uh, we were told, and I know just all the parenting classes that I went to, and I'm just wondering what you guys think, because when I had my son with these parenting classes, I said, whatever you do, don't sleep with your child. Uh, and the big concern was... Until is, what age? From the jump? Uh, yeah, they don't want you sleeping with your child in the bed ever. And the reason they don't want you sleeping with your child in the bed, because the number one way typically that kids die, if they don't die in, in the crib, they die because mom's exhausted or dad's exhausted. You've been feeding the baby in the bed and then you fall asleep. And I mean, you do go through such exhaustion when you have a child. You really do. Uh, sometimes you get, I remember getting up to go to work and, and, and sleeping, going in one of our studios at night. And at the end of our shift, taking like a 20 minute nap underneath one of the boards in the studio, or sometimes I go in the basement just to get some sleep before I went home. Cause I knew once I got home, uh, the baby would go from the nannies to me, and now I'm the nanny and I gotta get through the night. So, so, so anyway, they're, yeah, they're, they're afraid of you rolling over and crushing the baby or suffocating the baby. What
2: about when a kid's like four or five... I don't have a kid, so I'm going to ask dumb questions here. Yeah. What so, about if a kid is like four or five years old, uh, they had a scary dream, and they want to uh, crawl into bed with mom and or dad? Um, that seems like it would be simple to do. Yeah, still they still, they're, they're, they, they're they st- they court, still
0: teach you to direct your child back to bed. That's what they do, and, and, and that a child needs to learn autonomy, and they need to also... Learn to self soothe and self comfort. Okay, what about
2: your kids? Twenty seven years old, home from college.
0: <laughs> Twenty seven and home from college. That's interesting. Anyway, uh, this was interesting during COVID, and I asked my I asked my, my counselor, my therapist. I said, "Hey, my son, and I've shared a little bit this, this before. He wants he he wants to come sleep with me, and he wants to bring Charlie." Mm-hmm because we all remember how scary that was and there wasn't a vaccine yet and we didn't know who was going to live and who was going to die. People are pretty confident now, now that they're on the other side of not dying. So they think they have all the answers now, right? Every, every, everybody's a medical doctor and a scientist. But boy, we, when we were in it, uh, people were lined up and willing to do whatever now that we're on the other side or we think we are here comes these other variants so uh, uh, so we'll find out with a new vaccine uh, but yeah I said, she, she, I, I said what do you think I should do and she said you know what ever brings him comfort right now whatever makes him feel loved whatever makes him feel connected to family you three are family and if that makes him feel good and, and connected and comforted then do that and then after COVID we, we, we separated from that initially and I could see the wisdom of it. He Having a hard time sleeping because he wasn't in this big comfortable bed with this yeah with 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 Charlie and me and a great view and just just there's comfort in that sometimes when 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 you sleep as a fan so so. So now what we do is one time a week, it could be a movie night or something, and he'll decide and he'll say, hey, on Saturday I'd like to come in and maybe we could watch this movie and sit down and, and eat dinner and maybe we could, we, we, we could stay in your room for the night. And so we do that one time a week and, and we both find that to be really fun and we enjoy it and we look forward to that. And then we end up with some pretty good still tickle bug and fist fights. Because when you're 13 now, you don't want to just tickle, you want to punch and then you would throw some pillows. Yeah. So any, any, anyway, this is kind of interesting because this article said, you know what? Families slept together for centuries. It, it, it's kind of weird that families stopped sleeping together, right? And that makes
2: sense. You know, back in the day, and we're talking several hundred years ago, most people had one, one bed or they lived in a one-room house. Uh, I just finished an, an autobiography of a, a Navajo code talker, and he talks about growing up uh, in, in the Navajo checkerboard of northern New Mexico, where like everybody slept in the the Hogan like that was it. you had one one room, grandma down to the grandkids, everybody was there, and you knew your little spot, uh, and sometimes even a goat or a sheep would come in and, and nestle up with the family inside there and so I, I get that i, I I understand. Time, time, time out.
0: You read a book that said <laughs> a family is sleeping. Yeah. And while they're sleeping, a goat knocks on the door or a sheep knocks on the door and they let themselves in after they've been rolling around in goat and sheep shit all day and and they just they just come in and they, they just like the baby jesus which is a shit show too they you're you're saying they ju- they just nestle up to the to the to the little baby and, and the family
2: well there's no door on the hogan because it's like a, a teepee sort of structure uh and that's what chester said chester said when he was a kid he had a couple sheep that were his favorite sheep. They were like pets. I always trust would,
0: someone named Chester.
2: They would come in, and uh, sometimes they would sleep in the Hogan. So okay. I believe him at his word. As, as
0: long as his name is Chester, I, I have never known a Chester You would
2: love this book. People, if you're into World War II, go get Code Talker. I, I got it because I went down to Santa Fe, and the last uh, of the original Code Talkers has passed away. Yeah. So all 32 now have, have uh, gone, and uh, it's an incredible uh, memoir. I've talker. read a lot
0: about Code Talkers. Is, so this is his memoir. It's the, w- the, one, and the, code it's the
2: one and only memoir. Every oh. other book about the Code Talkers is by historians. This is the only m- memoir. And he, he had an assistant uh, with an author to write it, but he did 75 hours of interviews, turned this into a memoir. It's the only memoir from one of the original... What's the
0: headline uh, so far?
2: Well, that sheep would sleep in the hogan when he was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> so... No, I mean, honestly, if we're going to veer off of the no, topic. No. The, 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 the headline for me is, and, and I, I still cannot wrap my brain around this, the way the United States treated the Navajo people uh, for them, for Chester Nez to volunteer to be a Marine after Pearl Harbor and then voluntarily develop. He was one of the men that developed this code that was unbreakable. Uh, And I didn't realize that the Japanese had cracked every single code in the Pacific. And so they knew where uh, all the troops were being deployed. They knew all the moves of the United States. They had cracked every single code until the Navajo code. And so... The the only
0: code we were really using at the time was...
2: So the fact that that was the first one that cried. after the abuse and the the, the theft of their land and every, he has some stories about his childhood that leave you just gobsmacked i don 't want to give it away, so go get the book
0: because we, um, we grew up around the Nau- up Nau- Nau- nation couldn 't be kinder, nicer people they couldn 't live on junkier land and so and, 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 and whenever the united states Needed that land either for resources or to build a road. Uh, they would just take the land and they they they'd move them to another piece of junky his, land. His so. his
2: attitude after going being forcibly taken to boarding school, his, his grandmother's herd being destroyed, the living on the checkerboard, all the broken promises and treaties to sign up to become a marine, serve with honor and distinction, develop this code. Uh, never complained about which, it. Which, the, so people
0: know it's actually using the Navajo language,
2: right? And yeah. it, and it basically turned the war in the Pacific, um, and then be sworn to secrecy for two decades, where he couldn't even talk about it. Uh, he wasn't given a medal until President Bush, wow. George W. Bush, he he got a medal when he was almost ninety years old for what he did in in the nineteen forties and fifties. Incredible. So and then they called him up again to go to the Korean War. So
0: after he was ninety.
2: After he was 90. Yeah. So um, to see what he went through, I, I would have never, if the U.S. came to me after what they did to him and his family and his tribe, Yeah. I would have been like, get the hell out of here. I'd
0: stay at home in bed with the goat.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah. See you in a minute. Hey, one of the things Ron and I really like about Los Schwab is they are always doing the right thing. You've heard us say before, hey, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. It's true. And the thing I love is they really get involved in the micro communities around here. Cause you know, Seattle, Tacoma, Five Fremont, what are we? We're just, it's a really cool area where you th- find 300 cities and towns that are just kind of connected with bridges, water, and mountains. But let's not forget what's happening in Maple Valley for kids. This is pretty cool, Ron.
2: Yeah, on July 22nd, the Valley Girls and Guys at Les Schwab will be having their fifth annual Be the Hope Walk at Summit Park in Maple Valley. It benefits the Valley Girls and Guys Foundation and is uh, dedicated to providing assistance to local families who are impacted by any type of cancer diagnosis. How cool is that? So you can participate and register That's a 1.8 mile walk. It's 35 bucks. You can go to valleygirlsandguys.org. That's valleygirlsandguys.org. All right. Les Schwab, they've been doing the right thing since 1952.
0: All right. Listen up, Everett in Woodby Island and our friends over on Bainbridge and, of course, down in the South Sound and over to Wenatchee. What's up, up, University Place? Yeah, and right on the east side. And of course, all our freaky friends in Fremont. You know why I name all these places? Because Ron and Don have the biggest social media following and the biggest podcast of any realtor in the state of Washington and probably in the Pacific Northwest and probably in the country. As a result of that, everybody in the Ron and Don Nation? Well, they're choosing Ron and Don to sell, buy, and invest in real estate. And why do you do that? It's because you Trust us with a capital T, and we have a connection from all our years of doing Trust or Radio. But, Ron, at the end of the day, we still have to step in, do a great job, be phenomenal, and win the deal, right? Yeah, it all
2: starts with a Ron and Don sit down. It's a 30 to 45 minute Zoom call, free of charge, no obligation. We'll meet you, see if we make a good team. Email me directly, ron at ronandon.com, or you can set it up on the website, ronandonsitdown.com.
0: All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron Don show. I think a lot of us have been thinking about how do we solve this homeless crisis is now it's not just a West Coast issue, but it's a every it's in every American city. I mean, even when I was down in New Orleans with my son down in April, they have a lot of abandoned buildings, but they also now have a lot of tents that have popped up underneath uh, overpasses and they have lots of the same issues, similar issues with open air drug markets that can no longer be policed by the police because there's not enough police and that's everywhere. It's not just here; uh, that's everywhere. So, so from time to time, we see city governments. Uh, we also see capitalists out there trying to solve this issue. Our own friend Josh Kearns, who used to work at Cairo, who is now playing. Somehow, he's involved in pickleball, and he's he's, he's going to
2: tournaments. Like it's crazy.
0: Like he's number one or something. Is he? Every, every time I see him, he's like has a number one trophy. He's like this crazy pickleball person Good for him. Yeah. So he's doing great. And then, and then he also has started representing this company that takes old store pallets and they build tiny homes out of store pallets. So uh, we're working on our studio right now and I'll be glad to get Josh on here in the coming months to kind of talk about this. Cause I think we're all interested in that. What, what about this deal? $20,000, go ahead and build a tiny home. And then in three years, it's yours. How does that deal sound?
2: Well, I've seen this this program, and um, I forget which city has now rolled this out. Maybe you can look that up or remember which city it was, but there's currently a city, and that, that's the deal. Here's the, the the strings for three years, though. We will give you a $20,000 stipend if you build, I believe it's a minimum of 500-square-foot uh, cottage in your backyard, and for three years, you agree to rent this home in exchange for the 20 grand to someone that qualifies for low income housing. And so then after the three years, you are are not bound by those, it expires. You can do what you will uh, with that, um, with that tiny house. Uh, the the problem for me is being skewed into Seattle pricing. Yeah. Twenty twenty grand is not enough. No, um, because if you built a tiny house worth anything in Seattle, it's going to be at least a hundred thousand.
0: Was Claremont, California?
2: Claremont, California. So you would have at least a hundred thousand, if not two hundred thousand, to make a decent tiny house in the city of Seattle. I know there are some. Things on Amazon tried to put out a house. I know that. Uh, I think IKEA has a has a kit house. There are some SIPs houses and, and prefab stuff that is out there, and I follow all of that. Lots of prefab. Because I because I am I've been following that for years. No, they're prefab. No, there's no, there's not. But you're yeah. still not getting it done in Seattle for under 100k. Even if the even if you bought the Amazon thirty five thousand dollar bare bones, we're going to deliver it to your house house. The, the site work alone in the city of Seattle and the permitting and getting hooked up to utilities, you're going to be well above 100,000 by the time you get that. Now, to get any sort of furnishings and get the lights turned on, it's going to be 180 to 200.
0: Yeah. Cause you have, you have, so let's say that you put a tiny house in your backyard and you're going to lower that tiny house in on a boom. So let's say it's prefab and they're going to deliver it. Well, now you got to build a platform. In order to build a platform, now the city of Seattle is going to get involved. And where you're putting your platform is going to be on a critical slope. Because even with, even with stuff as flat as can be in the city of Seattle, they've decided that everything's on a critical slope. Then they want to know, well, what are we going to do with all the water that's going to drain off this platform? Where's your retention pond? Because it's not going to soak into the ground anymore. And we can't have this water running out the alley. And then here's the other question. How are we going to get the toilet to pump that sludge and that other stuff. How are we going to pump that all the way out to the main line, which is going to be the center of the main street. And so you have a tiny house in your backyard and you got to get a sewer past the front house all the way out to the main line to do that. Not only do you got to get permission to do that, but now you have to dig a trench And in that trench, you're going to have to put your utilities. Uh, Maybe you're going to put a gas line in there. Then you're also probably going to go ahead and uh, if you're going to run five cat, six cat, whatever it is that you're going to do, you're going to have to run a water line in a different trench because you can't run electrical and water in the same trench. And And then you have to have a separate trench, as I was saying, for your sewer. Just to dig those trenches, and I've dug all those trenches myself, you're going to have to bypass a lot of trees and a lot of tree roots. Chances are you can't do it yourself. So it's now someone's going to have to come in and professionally do that. Just to dig your water line in the city of Seattle, and let's say that a company has to go under your driveway and they have to use something called a magic bullet to do it so they don't have to tear your driveway up just to run a magic bullet under just under your driveway, just that portion, that's five grand right there. So you talk about the utilities for this tiny house, and getting that sewer all the way out to the main street. And here's another problem. If, if, if the backyard is below the sewer that's in the front yard of the main line, how, how are you going to get that sewer to, to to push all the way out there? You're not unless you have a two-story tiny house And and the the toilet is up top. Or now you have to add a pump. So $20,000, I don't care if it's prefab. I don't care if it's stick built. I don't care what you're doing. In the city of Seattle, it probably buys you a cup of coffee with the local inspector who's not going to show up because they're so busy and they lack inspectors and they don't want to have a cup of coffee with you anyway. So $20,000 would be absolutely nothing. And then somebody else is going to control this piece of property for the next three years. And then you get a piece of property that you built that you certainly had to use a lot of your own money handed back to you. And now I guess you get to use that as as, as, a, as a rental. So I think people have to be very careful about using their own private homes and their own private spaces uh, as, as a place that you want to do social work, I don't think this is the answer. Uh, I think the answer is we should, and we can pivot to this right now, maybe what we should do is what some tech tycoons are talking about, actually reimagining and building brand new cities. In fact, some of them are buying up real estate right now to do that, and we'll talk about it on the other side.
2: Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. Mitch, it's interesting as the interest rates have risen, many people thought, oh, well there'll be a bunch of inventory that comes on right at the first part of 2023 and then things will level out. That didn't happen. Inventory remains tight. Interest rates remain high. Why would that still be a good time to buy?
1: Well now's a great time to buy and that's because rates are going to drop and we're going to see a feeding frenzy. Right now there's a huge stagnant hole in the market and that's that 700k to 1.2-ish million dollar home. And all the people living in those homes right now either refied or bought in a 2.5 to 3.5% rate and they're terrified to move. They know if they sell their home, they're going to have to jump into a six, six and a half percent rate, and it just won't look as attractive. So what's going to happen is rates are going to drop. And all those people who've wanted to move, wanted to upsize, wanted to move for whatever reason, you know, people just like to move in life, but they don't move if there's this blocker. And we're going to see that blocker come off. We're going to see the cap come off. And we're going to see a, a bit of a frenzy here.
2: All right. So this would be the time to buy and then replace the rate uh, once it drops with your new program.
1: Yeah. We've got the rate and replace program. You can buy now and you can refi free of charge, free of the lender fees. Um, and we'll take care of those for you. So great deal.
2: All right. Check them out online at Mitch.loans. It's not a .com. It's Mitch.loans.